The Electronic Intifada. Intifada. Intifada Electronic. Intifada Electronic. This is the Electronic Intifada Podcast. In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada Podcast. In a few minutes, we'll go to Virginia, where Palestine solidarity activists were able to pressure lawmakers to table an anti-boycott bill in the state Senate. But first, we go to Hebron in the occupied West Bank. On February 26th, Palestinians participated in a demonstration to commemorate the 22nd anniversary of the 1994 massacre at the Ibrahimi Mosque. The protesters also called for the lifting of recent Israeli military orders restricting freedom of movement placed on the Palestinian residents of areas of the old city where the mosque is located. During the protest, Israeli forces fired stun grenades and massive amounts of tear gas onto the crowd in what activists with the International Solidarity Movement called a, quote, ambush. During the peaceful demonstration, Israeli occupation forces assaulted and arrested Farid al-Atrash, a prominent human rights lawyer with the Independent Commission for Human Rights. The Man News Agency reported that the organization called the violence used against al-Atrash a crime. Al-Atrash was released from Israeli detention on March 1st. Activists with the local organization Youth Against Settlements helped organize the demonstration as part of their ongoing campaign to open the area of the old city that has been sealed off to Palestinians and taken over by Israeli settlers who are often violent with impunity and under protection from the Israeli military. Isa Amro, an organizer with Youth Against Settlements who is joining us from the old city of Hebron, was himself arrested earlier this week by Israeli forces and reportedly accused of incitement against Israel for his political activities. Asa, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. We're so glad you're out of Israeli jail and able to join us again. Um, can you talk about the protests last week and the violence in response by Israeli forces? Uh, we are organizing uh, an ongoing campaign uh, calling to reopen the closed streets, the closed ma- markets, the closed uh, shops in, in the old city of Hebron. We are asking for equality, for justice, for self-determination for the Palestinian people and to end the incubation, to end the illegal Israeli settlements and dismantle them from our own uh, cities. Uh, so this year we organized a big campaign all over the world. It was in Germany, in Italy, in France, in Europe, all over Europe, in the U.S., uh, the Israeli occupation forces didn't like our uh, peaceful protests, and uh, in the beginning of uh, you know the, the the campaign, they attacked us. They prevented us from holding a non-violence painting uh, action outside one of the checkpoints. They prevented us from painting at uh, you know the the checkpoint. Then they uh, tore down uh, Hadil al-Hashlamun Memorial. Hadil was killed by the Israeli occupation forces, and it you know her killing was described by a Amnesty International as uh, an extrajudicial execution, but the Israeli soldiers they just, you know, stole it during the, the night and destroyed that uh, memorial. On the 22nd and the 26th, the Israeli soldiers attacked our peaceful uh, protest. They used violence, and for the first time, they, they aimed uh, on me to shoot me uh, by a direct order from one of the commanders. They were very violent. They violently arrested uh, Farid al-Atrash, who is well-known as uh, one of the best human rights defenders in Palestine and, you know, 
working for peace and justice and you know uh, increasing the awareness about the human rights uh, violation so the the soldiers prevented us from uh, you know continuing our protest toward the Ibrahimi mosque where the massacre happened and near Shuhada street which was closed by the Israeli occupation forces after the Ibrahimi mosque massacre and Asa, you uh, were arrested a few days after the protest as well. Can you tell us what happened and this claim of incitement that the military charged you with, what that means? You know, un- unfortunately, the Israeli occupation forces, they don't want anyone to speak loud against the occupation, against the apartheid, against the discrimination. Uh, my arrest was kind of intimidation, kind of uh, threatening me to go uh, away from Tel Romeda and the old city and stop my non-violence activities and my human rights work. Uh, and uh, on, on, you know, on, on the 29th of February, Israeli soldiers reached me when I was talking to uh, breaking the silence delegation. They were prevented from coming to my house, so I started talking to them uh, outside my house on, on the yards. Uh, then Israeli soldiers came and arrested me and they accused me of incitement against the occupation and organizing violent protests, which was not true. I denied all that uh, accusation. I have uh, a lot of evidences about my nonviolence work and everything we do. And mainly they were uh, investigating me about Open Shuhuda Street campaign and about the activities, about my Facebook account, about me uh, writing to my people to disobey the soldiers, uh, you know, orders to, uh, you know, to go around their uh, normal roads to protect the Palestinian houses from the Israeli uh, settlers, you know, talking to the media, they they used it as kind of incitement, uh, you know, uh, so they don't want me to talk against the occupation at all. Uh, I was ill-treated, I was uh, arrested, Israeli media, the fanatic and the right-wing media announced that they uh, arrested me because of my uh, violent uh, protests and incitement, which was not true at all. And I was released and I'm waiting the trial. Uh, so, you know, they, they to tell me when is the trial on the next uh, days. Isa, can you talk a little bit more about the treatment that you faced while uh, being detained and, and jailed by the Israeli uh, military? Uh, it is very long uh, in investigation without any kind of uh, respect. I am under the Israeli military law, which means that I am guilty and I need to prove the opposite of uh, what they say. They don't need to prove what they say. This is something very, very important and we should, uh, you know, uh, address it. Uh, handcuffed and blindfolded. Uh, I was left five hours uh, outside the police station with a very cold uh, weather inside the military detention center. Very dirty, you know, uh, environment. Uh, no good uh, food. Very bad food. I, I, you know, we were around ten people in in six uh, six meters square. Very small cell. Uh, very bad treatment from the soldiers at the detention center. You don't have any right. You don't call your family. You don't talk to anyone. You don't talk to your lawyer. You don't know where are you exactly uh, as, a, as a Palestinian staying in, in a cell with other uh, Palestinians. Uh, and, you know, you had you, you had nothing to, to read or to make yourself busy. So it was really hard experience. We're speaking with Isa Amro. He is an organizer with Youth Against Settlements and speaking to us from his home in the old city 
of the occupied West Bank city of Hebron. Isa, uh, last time we spoke, the military orders were still in place, restricting freedom of movement for you, your family, your neighbors, activists and journalists who want to visit, even emergency medical workers. Uh, you mentioned Amnesty International. That organization also released a public statement last week urging Israel to, quote, lift the discriminatory restrictions and the collective punishment of Palestinians in the city and protect human rights defenders there. Have those orders been renewed? And how does this continue to affect your daily life in the old city? You know, un unfortunately, we are living in the old city with uh, very strict uh, life. Uh, 20 checkpoints, more than 100 movement obstacles, soldiers, settlers, everything was closed before even uh, November. But unfortunately, on November, they declared the area as a closed military zone, which means that you don't have any, any basic rights. Uh, and they made it very hard for the people to stay, to visit, and the ambulances. And so it, it became as you are in jail without any protection and, uh, and any food. Uh, these days, we don't know what is happening. They didn't tell us if it's renewed or not. And they renew it whenever they want. They do whatever they want. They are just preventing people to come in without any kind of orders. We hope that just, you know, that they can, you know, stop working with the closed military zone and to end the incubation. You know, as, as Palestinians, we see that there is kind of ethnic cleansing and it's kind of targeting our Id Palestinian identity in the old city of Hebron. Well, finally, Isa, how has Youth Against Settlements been able to keep organizing under these kinds of restrictions? And what are your plans for the immediate future? Uh, unfortunately, we were affected by these uh, restrictions and uh, our center is closed. We don't have any kind of training for our youth. We don't have any kind of education for the Palestinian women, girls, uh, boys about nonviolence and how to go on with our documentation project. We were documenting all the human rights violations. Now we are not able to continue and to do that because of the closed military uh, zone orders and because of the direct uh, the targeting of the Israeli uh, incubation forces and the, and the settlers uh, to our activists and to our uh, volunteers. We are trying to have an, an alternative center, but it's not the same. It's very hard to continue in this kind of circumstances. As a human rights defender, you are thinking about your own protection. You are thinking about how to defend your life, and you are not able to defend the other people's rights or to document what is happening around you. And it's kind of uh, a phenomena that human rights defenders became a target to silence them and not to make them speak loud against human rights violations and against occupation and illegal settlements. All right. Well, we're going to leave it there. That's the voice of Isa Amro. He is a coordinator with uh, Youth Against Settlements in Hebron, and you can find them on Twitter at YAS Hebron. Um, Isa Amro, we're so glad that, uh, that you're out of Israeli detention and that you're continuing to organize Thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast, and we'll keep checking in with you about the situation in Hebron. Okay, thank you very much. Up next, we speak to activists in Virginia who organized to successfully table a bill in the state Senate that would have suppressed boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaigns across the state. Stay tuned. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. Visit us online at electronicintifada.net or follow us on Twitter at Intifada. The Electronic Intifada. Intifada Electronica. Intifada Electronica. The Electronic Intifada. 
In Oakland, I'm Nora Barrows-Friedman. You're listening to the Electronic Intifada podcast. In late February, U.S. President Barack Obama signed a trade bill into law intending to shield Israel from the Palestinian-led boycott, divestment, and sanctions campaign under the guise of protecting competitive trade. The bill is part of a growing wave of anti-BDS legislation introduced into nearly two dozen states and at the federal level by pro-Israel lawmakers and backed by Israel lobby groups as well as the Israeli government itself. However, BDS activists, Palestine solidarity organizers, and legal experts are fighting against the efforts at repressing boycotts, which are constitutionally protected under the rights of free speech. In Virginia, activists from a broad-based coalition were able to rally thousands of citizens against the passing of a bill that would have required the state to compile information on the BDS movement and could have led to a McCarthyist blacklist of companies who don't do business with Israel. In a press release, activists with the Freedom to Boycott in Virginia coalition say that, quote, Delegates heard from thousands of Virginians who are fed up with the status quo of unconditional U.S. support for Israel and its violations of Palestinian rights, and support BDS as a peaceful tool for Palestinians seeking their freedom. That opposition grew when the bill came to the Senate, resulting in the unanimous committee vote to drop consideration in this legislative session. Joining us to talk about the decision by the Virginia State Senate to table the anti-boycott bill are two activists with the Freedom to Boycott in Virginia Coalition, Seth Morrison and Saba Shami. Seth and Saba, thank you so much for being with us on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. We're delighted to be with you. So as I said, anti-boycott legislation is hitting or has already hit nearly two dozen states across the country Uh, in a concerted effort to clamp down on Palestine solidarity organizing and constitutionally protected free speech rights. Can you talk about this bill that was before the state legislature, what it would have required the state to do, and uh, and the significance of it being tabled based on popular pressure against the bill? Uh, Saba, do you want to start? Sure. I believe that there was a concerted effort to uh, first introduce the uh, resolution which was uh, probably intended to soften the uh, delegates and the senators to then, you know, uh, accept uh, as a follow-up kind of uh, to the resolution, the bill that would have been quite uh, disturbing to many in Virginia, especially people who view the uh, the right to free speech as being a holy uh, foundation of, of our uh, democracy here. Uh, so both uh, Seth and I, coming uh, from two different religious ethnic backgrounds, I'm Palestinian Christian and he's uh, Jewish American, uh, decided that uh, we needed to, to do something about it here. And uh, uh, with the help of some friends from uh, the neighboring state of Maryland, we put together a uh, a nice coalition, which then developed into mainly or almost exclusively Virginia-based group of people. And uh, then we assembled a nice coalition of, uh, correct me with the number, uh, Seth, I believe the last count was 12 groups, right? Correct. And uh, so the uh, bill, uh, the first, let me tell you about the resolution 177, it was the House uh, Joint Resolution, which they wanted to take to the Senate, which 
we are expecting it to be uh, discussed tomorrow in the Rules Committee of the Senate was filled with uh, inaccuracies and uh, straight-out lies about what is the BDS and what is uh, the intent of of all these fine Americans of all backgrounds, from uh, you know non-Arab, non-Jewish, to Jewish, to Arab, to Muslim, to Christian, to people with no faith, uh, people who are agnostic, just we you know the average Americans who fe- felt that muzzling people's right to speak up about issues of of of, of uh, uh, importance to them was very unconstitutional and uh, so we we really worked very hard to 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 block that unfortunately we are uh, and this is what one of the amazing things about the other side meaning the uh, pro israeli government and i'm not saying pro israel i'm saying pro israeli government because we really cannot just take uh, and lump all the israeli people uh as being in cahoots with the policies and uh, the atrocities, uh, both physical and uh, you know political atrocities of the Israeli government. So uh, we we felt here that that uh, uh, the the game that they played was was very uh, sneaky. They one day we we hear from uh, some of our friends that this thing is creeping down to Richmond and they're trying to pass another one. Unfortunately, we could not stop it, but we were delighted in the General Assembly, in the House of Delegates, to get, uh, in, uh, my last count was we had 13 uh, no's and abstentions and uh, no votes, which is uh, a big deal uh, in terms of uh, uh, last-minute kind of activism and attempt to stop something uh, that most legislators are not even familiar with. And that's where I consider it to be uh unfair kind of uh, uh, situation. But, you know, in politics, there's nothing fair. So uh, the bill, the bill, uh, which is uh, House Bill HB 1282, uh, was more dangerous. Uh, the first one was toothless, basically, uh, and I've classified uh, these bills that are gone taking place all over the country as I love Israel uh, bills, uh, and it became a a term here in Virginia used even by some of the legislators. The uh, the uh, bill uh, is clearly a more dangerous one because it was supposed to impose penalties on uh, companies uh, and individuals in Virginia who do more than $10,000 uh, worth of business with the state, if, uh, you know, they're, they are found, it, it reminds you of the pogroms in Russia and, and the, uh, and the uh, Spanish Inquisition, you know. Uh, if you're found in, in violation of uh, I love Israel kind of rules, there, uh, therefore, you are uh, in violation of this state law, that which means you cannot do business with the state, and potentially they could have developed it to to impose penalties, financial penalties. So, luckily, we were able to uh, keep it. Uh, uh, well, they, the committee that was entrusted with it 
general rules and technology, general laws and technology, uh, actually uh, tabled it till next year, uh, which which means that it will probably be uh, left out there in the cold to die. Well, yeah, it's true that uh, 1282 was definitely watered down in the House because they realized that it was unconstitutional. But I think what's really significant is that we pulled together, you know, 12 organizations, um, and for the first time, the legislators heard opposition to what Saba rightly called I Love Israel bills and resolutions. And I think a lot of them were taken by surprise. You know, there's so much ignorance out there, and so many people just believe the propaganda that, you know, Israel is our greatest ally, Israel is the only democracy. And suddenly the politicians started hearing from thousands of constituents, from voters, who said, wait a minute, we have a problem here. You know, Israel is not treating the Palestinians well. And I think that's really making a difference. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about the specific strategies your coalition employed to organize and pressure uh, the state Senate lawmakers to table this bill, perhaps indefinitely? Well, we, first of all, did a number of action alerts that we did uh, in cooperation with our friends at the U.S. campaign to end the Israeli occupation, because they have, you know, very targeted software. We also encourage our members and leaders to make personal phone calls. And we're very lucky to have some dedicated supporters in Richmond who went to committee hearings and went office to office in the legislature distributing our fact sheets. And then uh, we organized a couple of trips uh, for small groups of us to go down to Richmond to meet with uh, our legislators. Saba, there are so many other Palestine Solidarity Coalitions and organizations who are trying to fight similar legislation in their own states uh, and and counties, and and also at the federal level. What can these other coalitions learn from your strategic organizing? What kinds of advice do you have for them? I would say that uh, it is crucial to involve any and all groups who are, and individuals who are willing to help. You don't need to agree with them 100% on all issues. But when it comes to this issue of muzzling and uh, limiting the freedom to free speech, uh, the right to free speech here in America, in each and every state, in every uh, locale, if you find uh, partners and, and coalition uh, uh, potential coalition members who are agreeing to that minimum of of of, uh, of support for for your right, then you should pursue it. We in Virginia, to be frank with you, relied on two uh, initially on two formidable constituencies: the Arab American community, which is very strong in Virginia compared with other places. Um, um, I never did statistics about Arab-American concentrations, but here in Northern Virginia, we have in the neighborhood of 
150,000 Arab Americans, which is large community. So in that uh, mass, you, you can find a few hundred uh, people who uh, did uh, were willing and actually did write letters and participated in our efforts. The second uh, uh, group, and not second in terms of importance, are voice, uh, Jewish Voices for Peace. This is a group that is clearly growing in numbers and influence. And, you know, uh, myself as the leader of the New Dominion PAC here in Virginia, and Seth, uh, clearly the leader in, in uh, the area here of uh, Jewish Voices for Peace and a member of the board, the national board, uh, we have lots of uh, friends and acquaintances in like-minded communities. We, uh, and Seth mentioned that, uh, we have, there is a group in Richmond called the uh, Virginians for Israeli-Palestinian Peace or something like that. So Richmond, there is the Israel-Palestine Peace. Right. So, you know, with a group, uh, you know, of dedicated people such as that in Richmond, the Richmonders, we were able to clearly be in visible contact on a daily basis almost for the past month now with uh, many of the uh, legislators in both houses. To add to that, I think it is, and I mentioned the New Dominion PAC, and I, I know that uh, Seth personally has good relationships with uh, several uh, legislators from Northern Virginia. I, as a person who worked with two governors here in Virginia and uh, have been involved in state politics for nearly 30 years now, have as friends probably the vast majority of the Democratic members of both houses. So it was easier to communicate with these people as people who you worked with, who you associated with, who you helped, and I mean helped both organizationally and financially. So an important element in this combination would be support, political support, And we, but we as a group, we are nonprofits, and uh, some of our member groups are not for profit and they have all kinds of limitations. So we as, uh, as uh, Freedom uh, to Boycott in Virginia, we do not uh, support candidates, or parties uh, in any form or shape, now, not financial or, and not political. But we as individuals and member groups, separate from this effort, can actually make our uh, uh, power felt and our voices uh, heard uh, in a, on a different format. And we've done it and we'll be doing it in the future. Well, finally, Seth, your fight isn't over just yet. The, the coalition is busy organizing now against another bill that would condemn the BDS movement at the state Senate level. Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, what we're focused on right now is actually a resolution. So the good news is that it is non-binding. It has no legal effect. But, of course, it does have a moral effect. And, you know, it would be used if passed by the Israel lobby and by Jewish groups to try to uh, to kill our own rights. So we are fighting that using the same tactics. And we know that this is going to be an ongoing battle. Uh, so uh, 
that'll come up in the Senate probably in the next week. And we're, we have another action alert out. We have calls being made and, uh, we will, you know, keep fighting. But I think building on what Saba said, and this is proving how important it is that all of the groups working to support Palestinians and to end the occupation, we have to be active, you know, in our states. You know, we need to get our legislators to know who we are, and we need them to know that uh, they can no longer rubber stamp these resolutions and bills uh, in support of Israel. All right. And if people uh, want to learn more and get in touch with the Freedom to Boycott in Virginia Coalition, how can they do that? Uh, we're on Facebook, uh, or uh, they can uh, email us at freedom to boycott, uh, VA at outlook.com. Great. All right. Well, we're going to leave it right there, but we are going to keep watching the situation in Virginia and, of course, um, situations in states all over the country. Uh, where activists are fighting to protect the right to free speech and the right to boycott. That's the voice of Seth Morrison and Saba Shami. They are with the Freedom to Boycott in Virginia Coalition, and we'll have a link to their Facebook page on the Electronic Intifada. Thank you both, Seth and Saba, so much for joining us today on the Electronic Intifada podcast. Thank you. It's our pleasure. That's it for the Electronic Intifada podcast. For news, information, cultural features and reviews, and pointed opinion and analysis, visit us online at electronicintifada.net, where you can also post comments and sign up for our daily email digest. Follow us on Twitter at Intifada. Radio stations are free to use this podcast, and if you're listening on iTunes, support the Electronic Intifada podcast by rating it and leaving a review. On behalf of all of us at the Electronic Intifada, Thank you for listening.